0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Knights of the Pageless Library. I am Bo Knight, and with me, as always, is Ryan Knight. And today, we are taking a look at The Fellowship of the Ring by George, by J.R.R. R. Tolkien. I really yeah, wanted to I'll... say George R.R. Martin again. <laughs> yeah, you almost did it. <laughs> I almost did. <laughs> yeah. uh, narrated by...
1: Rob Inglis. Thank you. I think. I think that's how you say his name. We're probably butchering it, just like everything else we say. Yeah, yeah, and that's very possible. And if we are, please let us know. Anybody could email us at kotpl.pod at gmail.com and let us know your feelings.
0: Yeah, or anything at all. Give yeah. me a recipe for bun cake. We don't really care. Yeah, that's yeah, not a bad idea.
1: Uh, so as Bo said, we are reviewing The Fellowship of the Ring, the first book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, we did listen to this off of Audible, <clears throat> so if you listen to it somewhere else, your mileage may vary, but we are reviewing
0: the Audible version. And there are no other audiobooks that aren't narrated by Rob Inglis, right?
1: Uh, on Audible?
0: Or at, at all, I think, right? Like, for purchase, anyway. Oh, I don't, uh,
1: so. I don't, yeah, I couldn't tell you, actually.
0: Um
1: I mean, Rob Inglis does all of these ones that we're listening to off of Audible, so. Yeah. Uh, so, this one's going to be a little bit of a tough one because if we talked about every single bullet point in the book, uh, we'd be here for probably six hours. So, yeah, if not <laughs> longer. So, we'll try and keep this as short and sweet as is possible. Feasibly possible while it still makes sense um, So This book was actually published Originally In
0: 1954 yeah. So this uh, It's been around
1: Yeah it's a fairly old book um, <clears throat> I mean And this is pretty much I would say this is Tolkien's uh, Bread and butter basically
0: Well, I mean, like, this series is his swan song. Like, this is what he's known for.
1: Right, that's what I mean. So, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is probably Tolkien's most well-known work, even though he has a huge body of work, actually, that really brings this world that he has created to life. I mean, this... That's... That's just it. You know, most people just assume that the Lord of the Rings trilogy and maybe The Hobbit, you know, some people have probably gone through The Hobbit as well and just assume that that's it. But actually, there's a ton of other stories that fill in this world that he has created. So,
0: yeah, that's there's a lot of lore here.
1: It, yes, a ton of lore. Um, so what do you think about Rob Inglis in this?
0: I think he does a good job.
1: I also think he does a pretty good job. Um, But
0: I I, I don't have an issue with him, but I have an issue with the book. We'll get
1: We'll get to that. Um, I think Rob Inglis does pretty good. This, again, feels a little bit like Lord of the Flies to me, where you're just kind of listening to your grandpa tell a story. Uh, He does a little bit better. He he puts a little bit more inflections in his voice and actually brings the characters out a little bit better. But for the most part, it's pretty samey. I mean, the way he talks is pretty much the same all the way through. So Um, So, for anybody who doesn't know, not that there's going to be probably anybody who would listen to this that doesn't know this already, this the genre of this book is, you know, high fantasy fiction, basically.
0: I mean, like, realistically, this is where, like, all of that stuff comes from.
1: <laughs> I, it pretty much is. So, I actually, so I'm going to correct something. I said high fantasy, but we're going to get into this a little bit more. And actually, this is, I would actually just put this on par with fantasy.
0: Um, so, what's the distinguishing factor there?
1: So, so, like, to me, high fantasy is, like, uh, we're, we're using magic all the time for everything like
0: oh like, okay i see what you mean like okay. i would
1: almost put like harry potter once they go to the school in like a high fantasy setting you know where they're using magic and stuff all the time this is actually surprisingly low fantasy once you really think about the total story there's actually it is it's the without spoiling too much of the story but the the magical elements that do exist in this world are actually very, very, very subtle. So, and I mean, that's, some people could see that as good or bad. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But I just, I do want to make that clear that some people who might think like, oh, this is just a big <laughs> nerdy book full of freaking goblins and, and gorgons and wizards and gorgons. It's it's, I don't know. It's just. I was trying to think of a really funny word to throw in there, you know, but it's just wizards and lawnmowers and stuff. and <laughs> uh,
0: Yeah, basically.
1: <laughs> um, so this one, for anybody wondering, this is a beast of a listen.
0: This book. It's, it's thick with two C's.
1: F- yes. And this book comes in at 19 hours and seven minutes. So this is on the upper end of probably most of the books that I've even listened to. I think the longest books that I've listened to are the
0: uh, Game Game of of Thrones Thrones books, because one of them is like 48 hours.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you're talking huge volumes there. But this is still an incredibly long book. 20 hours is a long listen. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, It's really dense. So... If you are on Audible, you could sign up and you could uh, you could get this free with your 30 day trial. So uh, it would actually be a really good value for your free book, because if you were to purchase it, it would cost you about forty dollars.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. that's not that I feel like that's not a bad price
1: for as long as it is for as bad. For as long of a book as you get, that's probably not a terrible price. I mean, I would just recommend most people if you already are on Audible and this was a book you chose to listen to, just get it with one of your monthly
0: tokens. Yeah. That's a that's a good value token there.
1: Yeah. Actually I think I got this. I I actually bought this and the rest of the series because they went like on super sale and they were only like ten bucks a piece. It's
0: not bad, so it's thirty dollars for all three.
1: Yeah, it was something like that. It was like a huge sale. So I caught it just right. So um, and for anybody who's wondering, too, you kind of get if you have Audible and you don't know about this, if you add things to your wish list and they go on sale, Audible will notify you that they went on sale. So you can actually catch good sales on things you actually want to listen to. Yeah. yeah. So just a, Audible just a- will
0: hook you up from time to time.
1: Right, so just a quick little, you know, audible hack, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, live hack. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think? Do you think this is 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 a story easy to follow? Absolutely not. No. Not no. Anyway, shape or form.
1: No, it is not. Um, I'm gonna put this in the difficult to listen and difficult to follow category.
0: Um, yeah. Maybe not as bad as something like Solaris.
1: Sure, Maybe worse.
0: I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it,
1: I I don't know. This one though does the one thing this book does pretty well. I think that Tolkien does is he at least establishes each time who's talking. So yeah, he
0: does a do good a really good job of that.
1: Yeah. So almost every time somebody finishes saying something, it will say like aragorn said or boromir said or what have you so you know who the conversation is between and if somebody else interjects in the conversation you'll know that that's what happened whereas some books like solaris they'll have an entire conversation and you might not know who was saying what part of it so
0: right But I know I'm I'm like oh, but I love Solaris.
1: (laughs) Well, and I do too. And that was that's just the first example that comes to my mind. Well, well.
0: I mean, I'm the example that I brought it up, so I mean. (laughs) Um,
1: but even with that being said, if you miss a paragraph in this book, you might be able to pick it up as you go. But for the most part, you pretty much have to be dedicated to listening to this one.
0: And for that one guy who's like, what took this episode so long? You guys said three weeks ago you were going to do this. <laughs> this is why.
1: Exactly. Um, we both didn't want to rush this one. We wanted to make sure we listened to and understood it. So
0: Before we get to our recommendations, I want to say that I kind of wish I almost had enough time to listen to this again
1: actually i mean i kind of do as well um so this would be the second time i've listened to this i i have all of these on cd as well uh from years and years ago and i specifically remember starting the fellowship of the ring and having to give up on it because i couldn't do it
0: several years ago so let's get into our recommendations okay wow do you want me to go first you want to go first I'll let you go first. I cannot recommend this, I think. To an average like consumer of audiobooks, I don't think unless you're like a really true fan of Tolkien, there's a lot for you here. It is so dense and there's so there's a there's so much story packed in here that like on somebody who's just casually listening for a couple hours a day, it's it's too much, I think
1: and that's fair and i would agree on that that unless if you are a huge fantasy fan of any kind
0: yeah that's a good way to put i should have said that like fantasy like if if you like even like skyrim the video game at all i think like you need to do yourself a service and see where most of that stuff came from and look at the lord of the rings or even the hobbit
1: sure yeah because i mean realistically Tolkien is sort of the and I, I'm, please if anybody can please correct me and you know um, send us actually,
0: it was Boris Johnson who first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Tolkien is sort of I feel like the the godfather of the fantasy genre itself um so this also kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier though for anybody who thinks you're going to listen to this and you're going to be uh, on the edge of your seat the whole time. You're in for a rude awakening. This
0: is... But that's kind of one of the things I like about it, though, is well, that it is really
1: slow. It's it's slow-paced, but there's a reason, because there's a lot of filler story that it, it actually all pertains very heavily to what's going on.
0: There... And, and- that's why i want to listen to it again
1: well so there's there's rarely a time like there's a lot of stuff you might be like what's the point this is pointless why am i why are they doing this there's actually a reason for every single thing that tolkien included in the book um and actually the it's very interesting of that author's note at the end that he says that the only thing people wish is that it was longer yeah People wish that this book, book one of the trilogy, was even longer to fill in even more gaps. So, if that doesn't explain that in 20 hours, apparently it wasn't enough for some people, like, I mean, and I would even put this on par with, like, a Game of Thrones book, because despite what the show might say about Game of Thrones, the books are pretty slow paced as well they are uh, and they're, they're mean, full of
0: like facts and like oh my cousin's favorite food was strawberries and then like yeah that actually ends up coming up later
1: right but that's that's exactly it that's what makes these kind of books the way they are is that there's there's a ton of lore and there's a ton of filler that you need because yeah the story could have gone, you know, it could have been half of this length, and it could have been like, ah, and then we went here and we met this guy, and then he said, No, you need to go that way, and then we fought this guy over here. And it could be that way, but it wouldn't make it quite as interesting, in my opinion.
0: No, and I something I think that Tolkien does a really good job of is he builds a like really like believable, like living breathing world that you feel like you could step into and like interact with all these things. Like he makes it it makes it seem really believable. And like I I think you made a good point that this isn't high fantasy. It's like there's like magic exists in this world, but it's not like world-altering magic.
1: Exactly. So and the thing about it is is you could listen to this entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface about like who Gandalf actually is. And and to get that information, you actually have to go back to his other stories. That's that's what I mean when I say this world is incredibly dense with information, because it's not like some things like superhero movies where they're like, oh, I am Superman and I came from here. You know, I came from the planet Krypton and you can't explain it that fast in something like this because it's it's a lot more dense than that. And much yeah. more interesting. It's much more interesting than any regular old superhero story, I think.
0: It is interesting. I do have an issue with all the singing.
1: There is a lot. There's a lot of singing. Um, and I want to say that when we did The Hobbit, we liked the singing, which The Hobbit is also read by the same guy, Rob Bingless. Um But there is a lot of it in this. And we're not talking like they sing happy birthday like really quick. No. We're talking like six-minute long, seven-minute long songs. Yeah, and
0: they're often.
1: Yes, they are. Especially
0: in the first half of the book, it seems like there's a song every chapter or so.
1: There's a lot. I, I mean, I gotta give props to Rob Inglis because he does a very good job of singing he, them. He, he does.
0: And I, I'm sure, I guaranteed. When he was reading it the first time, he's like, another song? God damn it! <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yes, there are a ton of songs in this.
0: Yeah, so I give it, I give it like a if you're a fantasy fan, two thumbs up. If you're just a casual listener, I think like two like don't don't waste your time. I think I don't think there's a lot for you here if you're just like a casual fan,
1: right? And that's and that's what I would say too is um, is that if you are a, f- a fan of fantasy, whether that's uh you know you if you like uh, Game of Thrones, if you enjoy that type of storytelling that's that's very lore rich, if you play D and D, if like Bo said, you like the game Skyrim then you probably should do yourself a favor and this sort of lets you know where most of that stuff comes from. Um, But I also agree with you that if you're like, man, I don't really like any fantasy stuff all those nerds like, but I'm going to try Lord of the Rings. Yeah, don't don't waste your time.
0: (laughs) This is definitely not a jumping off point, I think, for fantasy.
1: No, even though it is sort of, I feel like where most of it comes from, it's you have to be pretty interested in the genre itself before you tackle this one.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because it's just not all that palatable.
1: I would actually recommend you start with The Hobbit first. Yeah, I think The Hobbit is a much better jumping off point um, for this genre even. So,
0: yeah. Do you want to go past the spoilers now?
1: Yeah, so we're gonna go past the spoiler wall. So anybody who doesn't want to have us spoil the story, which we probably won't spoil even half of it, because probably won't even be able to remember
0: half of it. That's but, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, I'm, yeah. honestly, like it gets a little fuzzy for me, like <laughs> most of it.
1: But here we go. So we'll, we're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about the story now. So if you want to actually listen to the book without us spoiling it, go back, listen to it, and then come back. And listen to what we have to say in a few months when you're done with the book.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and when you wrote a book report and That's yeah. Cool. So, okay. Yeah, the, the Fellowship of the Ring. All right, I'm gonna let you start on this one. Oh, okay. okay, so yeah, I mean, the Fellowship of the Rings, first book in the the Lord of the Rings series. I mean, and it, and it like opens in the Shire, which is where all the little hobbits live, and there it's Bilbo's birthday, right? On uh, there. Yeah. Yep. I I mean, it kind of starts like describing. Doesn't it open by like describing Bilbo and like his kind of relationship to the Shire and then like his relationship to Frodo and stuff in the beginning? Right. Talking about all that, all the the history between them. And it's kind of like scandalous that Bilbo like brought in Frodo, even though he's like not technically his heir, but he like took him under his wing and is taking care of him.
1: Mm hmm. So this too, right off the bat. Uh, this just shows you how dense like the storytelling is here because this is clearly not where this story begins even though you're like, yeah, but this is book one of a trilogy you technically need to go back and listen to The Hobbit to even know who Bilbo is and where we're starting this trilogy at.
0: <laughs> Which is really interesting to me that, that like, they bring up Bilbo's writing a book and he's writing The Hobbit, right? Like, Yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of
1: weird yeah he yeah because he's it's called like there and back again a hobbit tale which basically is what the first book is called
0: right and, so. and then yeah bilbo has his birthday and gandalf brings a bunch of fireworks i, I guess we'll get into gandalf a little, i don't even know it's hard to talk about stuff like this um, yeah so anyway
1: just so gandalf shows up during bilbo's birthday and he lights off some fireworks and people think it's
0: which are magic or are they actually just like gunpowder fireworks
1: (laughs) well they're like gunpowder fireworks but like they'll like explode and turn into like butterflies and stuff so they are magical so because gandalf is a wizard now it's not like you're a wizard harry it's not that kind of wizard this is where i go back to the pretty low fantasy So this is like some of the stuff that Gandalf uses his magic for—is making fireworks.
0: Yeah, and he's like a—he's a well-known wizard.
1: Yeah. So we're talking like through the entire entirety of this world of Middle Middle Earth. Earth, Yes, that Gandalf is a well-known character within Middle Earth, and that's because his roots are based way outside of this story.
0: so i don't even really know a lot about gandalf
1: i i honestly don't either because you got to go back to like probably even as far back as whatever the first book in, is te- the technical first book the silmarillion would and, and
0: they talk about gandalf in that
1: i think so because i without getting too far into it gandalf is like one of the oldest like beings of his age one of six wizards right I think it's six, yeah. The gray, the white, the brown, the two—no, the five. There's there's only five because it's the gray, the white, the brown, and the two blues, and that's it.
0: Oh yeah, you're right.
1: So five wizards in this entire world that we know of, and we're all already off track on. <laughs> this is, this, I know that's, that's it. That's, that's what I mean. <laughs> there's so much lore here that it's almost hard to not go off on a side track and talk about the lore of because and that's why we say this is a hard this would be an incredibly hard jumping off point because the characters are extremely interesting but you have to go beyond this book to even understand who
0: they are so yeah and oh, i mean like that's that's the kind of stuff that i like and like you were talking about it and i was like i don't I actually don't even know really anything about gandalf now that you mention it and i kind of want to know now so,
1: we get our we get our first little hint uh, right here at the beginning at the party of the technical uh, star of the show here, and that's the ring. So, the ring, which again, you can't really learn everything there is to know about this ring unless you were to go back and start with the Hobbit. Even but, the Hobbit doesn't really tell you anything. No, it really doesn't. Because... yeah you're you're absolutely right because bilbo just happens upon the ring in that story but it doesn't really explain the ring no so we get the first little glimpse of the ring in this part where bilbo puts the ring on and he disappears because yeah he he like does
0: it as a joke right
1: yeah he tells everybody he's leaving and you know uh he doesn't want to be a part of like what's going on there anymore so he puts this ring
0: on and he disappears I, oh, I know we're trying not to hit on the hut, like, but I love that he, like, frickin', like, insults everybody that's there. <laughs> yeah. And and Hobbits are super, like, super, like, couth people who, like, are always on their best manners, and it's, like, super uncharacteristic for somebody to do that. Oh, I love yeah. that. Which we should
1: explain, I guess, too, what Hobbits are. I mean, so... Okay. Because some people might be like, well, what the hell is a Hobbit? So a Hobbit is well, basically... Why are they still
0: here if they think that?
1: Yeah. That's true. Yeah, go listen to the book and then come back and we'll explain it. But But, 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 Hobbits are basically like... You're right. Hobbits are basically like little people,
0: essentially. They are... Yeah. They're not like deformed or anything like that. Like, it's just, they're just small.
1: No, they're just, they're like three, three to four feet tall somewhere in there. Actually, they might even be smaller than that. But, and they like tend to live in like holes in the ground, little mounded houses
0: and... They,
1: it looks like a house still inside, but it's just buried in the ground. It's not like a wooden structure like a normal human would live in.
0: Yeah, they like they like dirt and stuff like that.
1: I mean, and that's that is a distinction to make though, because there are are also humans in this world, and these hobbits are not human, and that is important
0: to the story. <laughs> you're you're right, God, see, it's like I don't even know <laughs> it's so hard to talk about it.
1: <laughs> it really it really is and that's why that's why we're probably not going to make this so much like book report ish as we've done on a few other stories where we talk about all the highlights of the story because this like I said we'd be here for 6 hours. So we'll try to hit kind of the highlights and the key points but if somebody is left wanting you're just going to have to go listen to the book. <laughs> yeah. Um so Bilbo disappears, goes back to his house. Gandalf shows up there at his house and, you know, basically says that even he hasn't seen a trick like that, you know, in a long time. And Bilbo tells Gandalf that he's leaving the Shire. He wants nothing more to do with the Shire because he's lived an extra long life. He's 111 years old at, as of his birthday, um, And that's even long for a hobbit. So he just said he's had enough and he wants to go somewhere where he can relax and he can finish his book. So he packs up his stuff and he leaves and he leaves everything that he owns to Frodo. His it's his nephew. Is that what
0: it is? Is that what it is?
1: But he's he adopt he adopted him basically as his as his heir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Frodo is 33 as of this story. He's 33 years old.
0: Yeah, but he's like a youngling. He's not very old, right?
1: Yeah, because hobbits don't actually come of age until they're like in their... It's like in their 20s or in their late 20s is when they're considered to like come of age. So on average, hobbits would outlive humans, but they aren't like... They're not like an elf who lives forever. So...
0: Oh, elves live forever? Yes. I, I they guess I didn't understand that.
1: They yes, they do. In this in this world, that yes, they do. Interesting. Um, so he also leaves this ring to Frodo as part of his estate that he's
0: leaving to Frodo. Uh, yeah, and Gandalf is super weird about it. He like, he won't touch it.
1: Yeah, because Bilbo tries to give Gandalf the ring to give to Frodo and Gandalf says that he doesn't want anything to do with it but at this point in the story Gandalf doesn't even know what it actually is
0: no yeah they don't know
1: that yet he has an idea but he doesn't fully know what it is Um, and then so Bilbo leaves and Frodo returns and this is when they actually kind of talk about what it might be that he's now in possession of And basically, this is when he throws the ring into the fire, and the ring glows with words. Yeah. And basically, (laughs) Gandalf thinks that he knows what this means, but he's not 100% sure. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, it's different from the movie, because this is when he leaves to go find out what it says
0: right but he yeah he does yeah he 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 leaves but he's like leaving to make preparations right if it is what it is he thinks it is that's
1: right he so he thinks he knows what it is but he's not 100 percent sure so he basically tells Frodo hey I'm gonna I'll be back but you need to be prepared to leave and head for he needs to head for the uh oh it's the prancing pony where they're going to go and me is that other the town and uh so that's a huge difference too which i kind of want to do a comparison between this and the movie because i'm going to be saying it a lot so i might have to oh, refresh
0: on be the hard.
1: movie well it, and it will be hard but i'll i'll try as much as i can to not mention the movie now but basically Whereas in the movie, you think it's like, oh, it takes like a day and, you know, Gandalf leaves and then Frodo leaves. No, no, no. We're talking years, like 12 yeah, a years. years. We're talking, yeah, like a decade later. And we just skip this whole huge chunk of time. And Frodo's basically like, well, I wonder if Gandalf's ever coming back.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it, it literally is like that. It's like 10 years or something like that go by. Before Frodo's like, well, I don't think he's coming back. I must. I probably should go ahead and do what he told me to do and leave.
0: Yeah, and he leaves with Sam, Merry, and Pippin, which are three other hobbits. Right. Who went with him. Yeah. To yeah, they're trying to go to that prancing pony. Yeah, I'm and, and, sure and they, like, that's
1: where he's supposed to go meet him at. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, and like a lot of them had never really even had left the Shire before, which is really interesting. It's like they're like experiencing all new things
1: yeah and the shire is essentially like a county where only hobbits pretty much live so then this is pretty much one of the few parts of this middle earth that you find hobbits in is the shire yeah they aren't really like like there's like humans spread all over and then there's dwarves all over and elves, but the hobbits for the most part kind of stick to themselves in the Shire. Um, so they leave and shortly around that same time is when we start getting the black riders are coming around and asking.
0: Yeah. Which I feel like the movie does the, the ring race no justice. I didn't realize that they could like speak and are, Yeah. Yeah, so. Kind of look human almost.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it does say that their hoods are usually pulled up so far you can't really make out any features of their face. But I wouldn't say it looks like. It doesn't. The way it reads in the book, it doesn't really sound like a Grim Reaper where you can't see any. So we get these little snippets of these black riders going around and asking about basically about frodo they're looking for baggins not frodo i take that back they're asking about baggins they know the name baggins and again that's due to the fact that bilbo also's last name is baggins so there is confusion though because everybody basically starts pointing them towards frodo because that's the only baggins they can think of now since bilbo yeah
0: because bilbo's been missing for so long
1: right exactly
0: yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here, like, they, like, meet the elves, and they, like, get stuck in the woods and stuff like that, and they meet Tom Bombadil. They meet
1: Tom Bombadil, yeah. Which, I, don't, like, I, don't, I don't know
0: how much this you want to talk about.
1: I don't really want to talk a ton about it. It's just interesting that he's such a huge, like,
0: part Does of this book. Does he have his book?
1: own book? I don't... Uh, actually, he very well might have, like a, a, like, a bit that fills in his lore, because yet again... We, we get hints throughout the book. So just to explain it, Tom Bombadil, like he's a little bit bigger than a hobbit, but not quite the same size as like a normal human would be. Uh, he has a big beard, and he kind of is dressed in very brightly colored clothes. And what happens is uh, they get trapped by the trees, right? The tree like swallows freaking Merry or Pippin or one of them, and Tom Bombadil shows up and starts whacking this tree with the stick and he's like let them out old man willow
0: like (laughs) yeah i mean he's a really interesting character and like i want to know a lot more about him because i feel like he's almost like a god or something
1: well and that's what i was gonna say so we get this quick little snippet of them doing that and then he kind of helps them along takes care of them and then they ask if he will go like through their whole journey with them but he's very like aloof also yeah, he he acts like he doesn't really have a care in the world. And he basically says, though, no, I have to stay here and take care of... Oh, I can't remember her name now. Here's I don't a remember gal. her either. <laughs> it's hard either, way, all the names. either way, Tom Bombadil's name comes up later, even in this story. And people talk about the fact that he has been in those woods since time started, basically. Yeah. And so later on, when you hear that, you're like... Well, wait, what? Excuse me. Like, and he just he goes around and he talks to the trees and he just takes care of the land, basically where he lives. It's pretty interesting.
0: I know. I want to know more about him.
1: <laughs> right, right. Honestly.
0: <laughs> anyway, oh. cut to the hobbits make it to Bree, right? And that's where they meet Strider. Yep.
1: Yep. In a meeting with Strider, and and, and then- this this is.
0: Where- was a moron and he freaking they're like entertaining all the hobbits that are there because like hobbits are like generally nosy creatures and they like want to know where they're from and all that and so like frodo's trying to like i don't know like get them off the trail and he's like telling a, a, a freaking he's singing a song right yep and he accidentally like slips the ring on his hand and goes invisible yep and he like plays it off as like a parlor trick but Strider. that's how striders like okay like what's going on with these guys
1: and that's when Strider. Yeah, is basically like, okay, we we have to leave now, and we get a yeah, little he's bit. Yeah, like, of imp-
0: "Frodo, you messed up, you moron!" They know we're like they, now. They know like what's going who you like who you are and where you're at right now.
1: Right, and so Strider Strider is a ranger, and he is a human also. So we also find out later that Strider and Gandalf are like old friends, and that's basically why Strider is there is because Gandalf. Told him, you need to go find these hobbits. You need to be on the lookout for these hobbits, and then I also need you to help them. Well, if it's I'm interesting not
0: there. too that the way that Strider doesn't know that they know Gandalf, but Gandalf had let them a note with like these weird. What is it? It's like not all who wander are lost. What's the other part of it? Oh, you're remembering even more than me at this point, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, like Strider, like basically, there's like a saying associated with Strider. And Strider says it like casually in passing to Frodo without knowing that they know they knew that about him, and right. so he's like he's basically like verifying his identity that he's yeah. actually yeah it's like a
1: there. yeah it was like a code word basically
0: I know you're like it was dumb I don't even care um, I don't know I thought it was kind of neat writing to me
1: well no and I think it is and I just it, a lot of this stuff so even as slow and as dense as this story is the thing that impresses me the most about it is how much foresight Tolkien kind of has so like not even in the fact that like it's not even like twists and turns like it's not like an M. Night Shyamalan movie but it's it's he has enough foresight to be like okay I'm gonna have this character in here and little do we know that this character who at this point seems like he's gonna be kind of like a mundane character like oh he's a ranger you know but he's actually one of the biggest characters in the entire storyline. So that I like that little stuff that he's always doing in all of these books, like that. Like you think, oh, Tom Bombadil's just some weirdo out in the wood, and then later on, the elves are talking about him and they're like, oh yeah, he's been there since when we got here.
0: I'm like, yeah, it's kind of
1: crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> So I do. I like a lot of that kind of stuff, too. And like like you're saying, just little subtleties like that, like, yeah, why would they go with this guy? Well, Tolkien thought of that. Oh, I'll have it. So they have to have a little verification between the two of them.
0: But it was so organic, like Strider doesn't Strider doesn't like say it like a puppet like, I, like Frodo right. asks him something about himself, and that's what he has as a response, is mm-hmm. the thing that Gandalf wrote in the note. Right. Which is, exactly. it's just crazy to me. It's so, it's so organic. Yeah. Yeah, I did like that, too. So, yeah. now so, we have... Slash Aragorn. Slash, he has, like, another name.
1: Uh, Yeah, the elves call him something else, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or no, uh, Gandalf does. Dunedain? Dunedain? Yeah yeah which is also a group of men so it like anyways again yeah you get your <laughs> shovel out if you want get your shovel out and start digging for oh, lore, there's it's so all there. much
0: there's so much treasure <laughs> and jewels beneath it all you That's, just got a freaking pan for it all <sighs>
1: right this is one of those stories where you're like for the most part if if it's a main character and you're like i wonder how much background there is on that guy there's probably a lot <laughs> like, there's,
0: a, there's a lot yeah like yeah i mean it, it, it's like them. it's like these characters really existed in, in another world and you're like looking at the records of them
1: right yeah that's how well almost documented some of the stuff is um so they get accosted by the ring race, right uh
0: because yeah, like they now, they i mean they, they travel for a little while and then they like get duck on top of a, a hilltop, right? And then, like, they have to we- defend against it.
1: Yeah, they stop at uh, Weathertop, an old, like, busted-down castle, and they get attacked by the ring Wraiths, and the ring... One of them... Frodo ends up putting on his ring because he gets scared, so he thinks it will hide him from the wraiths. He thinks he can escape, basically, if he puts the ring on, because he knows he goes invisible. Well, when he puts the ring on... He can see them in a different way than everybody else sees them. And they can also see him much easier now than even pretty much while he's there.
0: <laughs> and so. Okay, I, I want to ask you a question. So, what does the ring do when Sauron puts it on? Honestly, I don't really know. It's. Does it it's make him invisible?
1: Those... No, it doesn't yeah, make him I, invisible.
0: That's what I don't understand. Okay. And I think it actually
1: is different
0: depending it's, on what race you are.
1: I think it's be- either the race or it's based on like your innate intentions? abilities.
0: Yes, oh. and your
1: intentions, your intentions as well.
0: Okay, so like so hobbits go invisible because like that's what they want.
1: Well, I think I think hobbits, I want to say that Gollum when he has it would also go invisible if he wore it. And I think even humans will too. But the thing is, is like the hobbits can put the ring on because they are very pure creatures, essentially. And it won't immediately like drive them insane. Corrupt them. Right. Whereas, like, if a human wears it, from my understanding, my limited understanding, is humans are super easily corruptible. So, yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: Which is actually where the. Ring wraiths themselves come from
0: is because they're humans.
1: Yeah, the wraiths. I guess
0: I didn't understand that.
1: Right, so there's the reason it's called the Lord of the Rings is because this one.
0: I feel like that's later. Okay,
1: so uh, they fight on Weathertop. Uh, Frodo gets stabbed by one of their blades, which then turns to smoke and. This is also where it's a lot different from the movie because, like, in the movie, Frodo immediately is like, Oh my God, I'm dying. Like, he gets like super sick, like, immediately. But in the book, he's like, Actually, I don't feel that bad. I don't think yeah, it got me that like, bad.
0: It's like slow, insidious, like, coldness, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And it's like, it takes a while, but he slowly, like, loses function in his arm. And then yeah. he's like, Okay, yeah, this is, re-. even though it's like a really small cut. It's actually not, like, the way that the movie portrays it.
0: Yeah. So he gets wounded, and then, like, Aragorn is, like, really worried about him, and he, like, can't heal him. So they go to Rivendell, right? And they meet... Uh, what is his so name? The Elf they Lord? Actually,
1: so Glorfindel...
0: Oh, Glorfindel.
1: Thank he, you. He uh, meets them on oh, their way to... Oh, you're
0: right! He meets them he Helps.
1: Elf. Right. Yeah, he ends up helping them. Uh, Doesn't he have
0: a bunch of horses with him? And he's like, we're ride these.
1: Uh, yeah, I think he does. Yeah. So <laughs> because but he was sent out because word got to Elrond at Rivendell that they were on their way there.
0: Yeah. So and, and it was because, taking them too long. Right.
1: Yeah, that's exactly why. Because Gandalf basically he had all these. The, essentially he had all these backup plans in place in case he wasn't able to help them reach their destination so he sent word to all these like more powerful people that he knew could potentially help the hobbits on their way and elrond happened to be one of them and elrond send, sent out glorfindel glorfindel helps them get to rivendell basically and they and this heal is frodo they heal Frodo. This is where you get the cool part of, like, they're at the river, and because, basically, Glorfindel puts Frodo on his horse, and he says his horse will find him to uh,
0: Rivendell. Yeah, so, right, that's right, and he's like, yeah, and this horse is, like, not afraid of anything, and it'll get you there no matter what.
1: Exactly. <laughs> he's like, he won't stop. Unless he's killed, he will not stop. He'll get you there. And this is where the horse crosses the river, and then the the wraiths try to cross the river and the river basically swells up and rises up. And Frodo sees also like what looks like another person, but we find out that that was Glorfindel and he's like casting a spell on the river to defend Frodo. And it like washes the uh, wraiths away. And it looks like raging horses running in the water
0: can we talk about for a second something I like in these Tolkien books is like how hard it is to actually travel when it's like on horseback. And then like when you don't have horses or when you have like ill-equipped horses and stuff like that, like I, yeah. I think all of it is so well done.
1: Right. Because like you said, it's, it's a very living world and that's, that's why. So, and again, we're talking like the way we're even saying it is like, it's quick. They explain it in the book that it, even from the time he's stabbed to when he gets to uh, Rivendell, we're talking like 10 days. Yeah. Like, we're not talking like, oh, man, I got stabbed and I need to get there quick. And he shows up there in like a few hours. No, we're talking like days and almost weeks at a time to get anywhere in this world.
0: yeah. And just like Sam, like bonds with this little pony, right?
1: Yeah, he's got uh, Bill.
0: Yeah, Bill, um, that's right. They got him like at the beginning.
1: Yeah, because didn't Tom Bombadil give it to him? Yeah. So they make it to Rivendell. Uh, Frodo is healed. They meet Gandalf again there. They have the council with Elrond where they decide what will be done with the ring. And this is where you get the explanation of where Gandalf has been this whole time. This is where we find out that Gandalf what
0: was Gandalf doing uh, I I cannot remember.
1: He so he went to research if it was the ring that he thought it was, if it was the one, you know, the ring. And, and
0: he gets he like gets held up by that other wizard, right?
1: Yeah, so this is where he finds out. Saruman? Yeah, so Saruman the White is the...
0: (laughs) The evil is what they should call him.
1: Well, he's the leader of the the five wizards, basically. He's the most powerful, essentially, and he's the leader of their order. Okay. And so Gandalf goes at one point and he researches what the words on the ring that you could see only in the fire what they were. That's why he initially put it in the fire. And he had remembered reading something about that previously. Then he goes back and he basically reaffirms that. That what he read is that the, the ring, Sauron's Tha- 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 ring, that if put in the fire will emit words. And those words are the, um, you know, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them Oh, and in the darkness behind them, you know, that whole thing. He finds out that's what the ring says, the ring that Frodo has says. So now they know that they are dealing with the one ring that basically if it finds its way back to Sauron, the evil lord, who was, again, in a previous time, defeated.
0: (laughs) But is it still alive?
1: Essentially, yeah, his his like spirit remains alive, basically um is he human no he he? same way gandalf is not human
0: oh so he's like a like a i don't know how to think of it other than like an elevated being
1: kind of because there's like a whole hierarchy in this universe and It basically starts with like one god who then creates a line of gods, and then these gods create beings. And I want to say that Gandalf, Saruman, Sauron, all of these beings are like a few tiers just below the gods. Like not very far though.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Super deep stuff. (laughs) But there's an explanation for most of it. Like that's the thing about this whole. Universe is there's an ex- the he- there's an explanation where they came from. Hmm.
0: Do they talk about how he lost the ring in the first place?
1: How Sauron did? Yeah, yeah. They talk about it at this part. Actually, is that that's because at the oh I can't remember what the battle is called, but they is the human ends up cutting the ring from Sauron's hand. And that's basically what defeats him. Because Sauron right. almost at one point had taken over most of the Middle Earth.
0: Right. And, and what are Sauron's intentions? Like, why does he want to take over the whole world, I guess? <sighs> He's a dick. I, I don't know. Is that why? That, does, I, that doesn't seem like Tolkien style.
1: <laughs> well, the way I kind of understand it is because, like, this world it goes through ages basically like it has like ebbs and flows of ages and i want to say that sauron was initially defeated and that ended the second age of this world because then it started the more like peaceful time because before everything was like in war and stuff so basically sauron's coming back to power would initially start a new timeline of nothing but chaos and war because that's just who he is like you got to go back to like the silmarillion to find out that he was essentially created in one of these other gods uh images who is almost like a like a greek type Ares, like god of okay. war that's just like sense. that's that's basically his how he is internally is he just wants there to be war and chaos and things like that because that's how he was formed
0: Makes sense.
1: To the best of my knowledge, please. If anybody can correct me, please do. I am more than willing to hear exactly the way it goes down.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. So yeah, so they they have the the meeting like this is where, yeah, where like Frodo learns the whole history of the Ring and like all the there's other Rings of Power too, right?
1: Yeah, this is where we learned that there was three Rings given to the Elves, five to the Dwarves, and nine to
0: humans and And they're and they're all lost except for one right
1: well the nine rings the nine human rings were um that's what created the ring wraiths basically it corrupted and it made the humans because they're easy to control so that's what corrupted them and made them easy to control all the dwarf rings have been lost uh or melted by dragon fire i want to say is what they said um and then the elven rings, they don't really talk about them. We find out a little bit later in this that we, we know of I think at least two elven rings that still exist.
0: Yeah. Very true.
1: So oh, and, then so yeah, now yeah. they now they create the fellowship. So there's a huge gathering of people there. There's dwarves, there's a couple elves, there's a couple more humans, there's all these people. They're having this big gathering with Elrond, who's like you know, the head honcho elf of this area. And he's been around basically forever. So (laughs) they decide that it's in everybody's best interest to ensure that the ring is destroyed. It's in the best interest of men, dwarves, humans, hobbits. Because basically if the ring is not destroyed and the ring were to fall back into Sauron's hands, he would rise to power again and could probably, since... Humans and elves don't really get along anymore, and elves and dwarves don't get along. Basically, if Sauron were to rise to power again, he could probably take the world over this time pretty easily. Yeah. So, Elrond decides that the ring needs to make it to Mount Doom, which is where it was formed, and be destroyed.
0: It's it's the only place it can be destroyed at, right? It's like it can only be destroyed in the fires it was made from.
1: Correct, yeah. It cannot be destroyed by any other means that they know of.
0: Yeah, so they basically have to go into like the heart of the enemy to destroy it.
1: Correct. So <clears throat> they end up setting out with, let's see, Aragorn,
0: Boromir, Gimli. Gimli. Like
1: so Gim- Gimli is the son of Gloin, who Gloin was one of the dwarves <laughs> in The Hobbit story.
0: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Does that matter? I don't know.
1: Eh, kinda, because Glóin tells a little bit of a story to Frodo during this and says that he worked with Bilbo and whatnot. So um, Legolas, who is an elf. Who is then... way
0: cooler in the books than he is in the movie.
1: Actually, yes. Way cooler. He in is the books. not
0: a douchebag in the book at all. No. like he's they, Like, I don't know. They make him seem like stuck up in the movies, and he's not like that at all. They kind of they kind of do that with
1: elves in general in the movie and in a little bit in the book, because the elves basically because elves like live forever, they kind of see themselves above most other races. So they do have a little bit of like a stuck up sort of air to them. But I agree with you that in this he's much more subtle of a character and a lot less obviously stuck up, basically. Yeah,
0: Did you say Boromir already?
1: Yeah, Boromir, who is another human. He's from, um, oh my gosh, Uh, Gondor.
0: Gondor, yeah, Boromir of
1: Gondor. Yeah, and basically Gondor is like one of the last areas where humans are still trying to hold the line against um, Mordor which is where most of the evil of the world is still being spawned from, basically. And by evil in the world, I'm talking orcs, goblins, those types of things,
0: which are still like... Humans too, right?
1: Yeah, so that's part of it, is they tell stories of that, is that they see humans going to Mordor to join this... Basically, this army this Sauron is raising
0: to the, the evil coalition.
1: Yeah. And basically, he's getting anybody who will come fight with him against everybody else. He's getting them to come there and gather there.
0: So, yeah, so the fellowship is formed and they, they head out, right? They head south. to They, they try and go over the Misty Mountains, right?
1: They try and go, I can't remember if that's the name of it, if that's the Misty Mountains, but they try to go over the mountains. They basically say there's several, there's three things we can do. We can go over the mountain, we can go under the mountain, or we go around the mountain. And Gandalf's like, can't go around the mountain, it would take us, or somebody, I can't remember if it was Gandalf, but they're like, can't go around the mountain because it would take us friggin' like two years or some crazy shit, like to get around the mountain. <laughs> He's like, and we have to hurry because if we, the longer it takes us, the more likely it is that we'll be intercepted. Right. Which is also why they're traveling in a small group with Gandalf as the leader, because if they were to set out with like an army, then it would be very, very obvious what they were doing. Right. So that's also why Elrond and Gandalf come to the conclusion that they need to keep the group small. And so they decide to try to go over the mountain first. And basically they start going over the mountain and essentially the mountain doesn't want them to.
0: Yeah. Pretty much.
1: Karathros, <laughs> Is that what it's called?
0: Yeah, Karathros Co- the yeah, the pass of the path of Karathros.
1: Co- yeah, it's so that's another thing too. If I had if I could shake Tolkien's hand for one thing, it would be the way he comes up with names. It's amazing. the names that he came up with in these stories are incredible
0: yeah and they don't just sound like nonsense
1: exactly so to try to go over the mountain basically it's fine up to a certain point and then they start getting like nailed with snow like just snow piling up foot after foot after foot within like a few hours yeah and there's like rock slides on them and they're they're like the mountain doesn't want us to go this way and at one point they're like, okay, we have to go back. And they turn around and where they were is now like four feet of snow. Yeah. And drift and drifts as high as like eight feet of snow.
0: <laughs> and I mean, I, this, this is kind of when Boromir is really cool to me. Like, I don't I don't know. He seems cooler in the books. Like he's actually like really capable. He's like, doesn't yeah. he just carry two of the hobbits? He's like, just well, get on my back.
1: <laughs> I like this part because they're like, we have to go back. We, there's no other choice. And so, Boromir and, and uh, Aragorn turn around and they basically start wading through the snow and it, it tells it that they come across a freaking drift that's taller than them so they just start tunneling through it yeah they, I just picture them digging through it and this is when this is when though uh, um, Legolas is like don't worry I'll go scout the way and he walks across the top of the snow
0: yeah because... he doesn't even leave footprints
1: yeah, and that's when Frodo's like, I just realized he doesn't even have boots on. He yeah. just has, like, like, slippers on, and he walks across the top Which of the snow. Which is one thing
0: I like about this is, like, when they first introduced Legolas, he's, like, in, like, tattered clothes. Like, he's actually been out in the woods and, like, fighting and doing stuff like that. Like, he's not, like, yeah. in
1: immaculate armor. Right, exactly.
0: So- Which, I mean, I like, it makes sense. Like, w- why would they have, like, a nice, fancy elf it doesn't make any sense. He's like an actually like working elf. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um we also get a little glimpse here too because they mentioned to Gandalf about starting a fire. And Gandalf is Oh
0: yeah, and they like just melt away and he's like, I can't do that.
1: Yeah. And he says, he's like, I could create fire right now, but I wouldn't be able to sustain it to do what you're telling me to do. So that's where we get this little bit of magical balance in this world like yes Gandalf is capable of creating fire but it's not like like I said it's not like Harry Potter style where he just waves his freaking wand which he doesn't have a wand he has a staff which is even more badass but he can't just like wave his staff and burn all the snow away like he is very limited on his power capabilities so
0: magic is really draining to use
1: Exactly. And it's not it's not just something like I said, he can't just throw it around willy nilly. It's something you, very, very need, like rare.
0: full concentration, too.
1: Right. Yeah, we hear about that a little bit in the next part, because so they end up they decide they can't go through the snow. There's no possible way they're going to make it. So they go back down. And then now they're like, OK, we can either go around or we can go under the mountain through the mines of Moria. And they end up deciding they're going to go through the mines of Moria because it'll be faster
0: yeah (laughs) and the mines are like completely abandoned right
1: yeah so last that they knew is gimli says that his cousin is there balin because the mines were abandoned initially by the dwarves because we don't really fully hear why but we know that they were abandoned by the dwarves but balin had gone back with a group of dwarves to try to reclaim the mines for the dwarves that's why gimli's like we'll go down there and my cousin should still be there and so they end up having to go to the um one of the main entrance to the um well there's only two entrances right to the whole freaking thing one on each side of the mountain essentially and the way i understand it is there's two main entrances one on either side and the one on the side they are on is collapsed so they have to go to this the back door basically yeah
0: it's <clears throat> which i love the little detail it's like when dwarves make a door you can't see it it's it's like completely invisible when it's in stone like you yeah you, like you can't know it's there even even the dwarves that like who were there don't know it's there, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, unless you specifically know where it's at, you almost cannot find it. And he explains that dwarves have a way of making doors that they're either completely invisible, unless you know right where it's at, or it only makes itself visible on specific days of the year. Yeah,
0: for which what?
1: Yeah, which That's you find crazy. out a little bit more. You find out a little bit more about that in The Hobbit.
0: But yeah, you, which is still crazy to me. <laughs>
1: yeah it's fr- it's pretty awesome little detail
0: so, yeah, so they find the door and then like there's words on the door right oh what does it say it like, says uh
1: speak friend and enter
0: yeah yeah which, yeah you're right it is that simple
1: which gandalf's like because they're like gandalf what does this mean and he's like uh it's obvious if you were a friend you speak the password and then you can go in yeah and so it, it tells, like, this whole part of him. He's, like, standing there, and he says, like, a whole ton of words. In every single language he knows, he says all these freaking words, and nothing happens. The doors don't open. And finally, <laughs> Frodo figures it out, right? Because he's like, what's the elven word for friend?
0: No, I thought it was Pippin. Oh, is it, you? is it No, you? I think it's Pippin you're correct because yes because gandalf basically tells him he's a dumbass yeah
1: you you are correct and it ends up being like yeah it's it, it's the elven word for friend is the password to get into the yeah.
0: door it's that's like the door says it says speak friend and you can enter
1: right it's yeah it's a very very subtle simple uh code basically So and then after they end up speaking the words, they they all had been feeling kind of this uneasy presence because there's like a normally there would be a river running past where that door was. But it had all been like dammed up and stopped up to the point where there was like a like a lagoon there, basically. And it's not quite as treacherous as like the movie shows, because they talk about the pathway between the sheer cliff and the water. As being like 18 feet wide. Yeah. So it's actually a pretty substantial pathway or area that they're in. But shortly after they open the doors, these tentacles come out of the water because they had been throwing rocks way out into the water, right? Because they were, they were all sitting around and they were bored, basically. And then Gandalf opens the door and then all these tentacles come out of the water towards them. And so they run inside, and as they run inside, the tentacles grab the wall, and it basically pulls the door down, which collapses the wall yeah. over
0: the top so they, of it. So they can't go back out.
1: Right. They can no longer leave. They have to go through the mines now, which this part is insane, because like, when you think of a mine, you're like, oh, it's like a mine shaft, right? Like it goes down, maybe has a split, a couple turns. No. We're talking... This is basically like New York City underground. Yeah. Like, we're talking dwarven mines, humongous rooms, tons and tons. It's basically where they live. It's their cities normally.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, they like to live underground like that.
1: Next so, now, basically now, though, Gandalf has only been through the mines once. So now he's trying to remember... And he's only gone from the other way, right? He's only come yeah. from the other side. So now he's trying to remember in reverse which way to go to get them through the
0: moon. And they're trying to find Gemli's cousin at first.
1: Yeah, they talk about that. They talk about trying to go and find uh, his cousin just to see you know, where they're at, basically. Which that's when they end up finding the tomb,
0: right? Yeah, where... and there's like some disturbing notes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they find this journal, basically, that tells about Gimli's party, or, sorry, uh, Balin's party returning to the mine. And they started, like, unblocking all these rooms, and they were, like, fixing it all up and cleaning it all up. But basically, they ended up getting overrun by orcs and goblins down there.
0: And And something else, right?
1: They talk about something else. They allude to something else, yes. But... We don't fully hear about it at this part. I think it's the very next part. Because then they get attacked by, go figure, freaking orcs and goblins. Yeah. Which, and Frodo ends up getting stabbed by, like, a giant orc leader with a spear. And they're like, oh my god, no, they killed Frodo. And Frodo's
0: like, nah, I'm fine, guys.
1: Yeah, he's like, nah, dude, it's cool, freaking... Bilbo gave me this special mithril armor that's basically light as a feather, but it's, like, stronger than steel, so.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know if Gambling mentions this now, it now, but he was like, that was worth, like, more than, like, everything that Bilbo owned. That armor yeah. is, is he, crazy worth a lot of money.
1: Yeah, he basically says it's worth more than, like, the Shire
0: yeah, itself. two times like, over.
1: Yeah, it's worth so much value because it's so rare of a thing now. In this time, it used to be pretty common, but now it's very rare of an item.
0: And yeah, Mithril is like hard to come by these days. It's like all been mined up, right?
1: Something like that. Yeah, and there's and now there's like nobody who knows how to make it anymore.
0: Right, right, that's right. It's like a lost art.
1: So they get in this little fight and. They leave, Gandalf says, You guys need to leave through this door because I can feel something else coming. Because Gandalf like casts a spell on the door to make sure that the door will stay shut. But he says while he's casting his spell, he can feel something else is casting a spell against him. Yeah. And and it's like really, really powerful. So he's basically like, You guys we have to run. He's like, we the only choice we have now is to run and get to the other side of the mine. We can't fight our way out, basically. Yeah. So they end up running and they end up getting to the bridge of Khazad Doom, which is basically a super narrow bridge, and the whole thought process behind it is it, it covers a large gap, but the bridge is really narrow so that basically it's super easy to defend from either side. Yeah. Which is really cool.
0: It is a good
1: idea. So they get to this bridge and this is where the the Balrog shows up.
0: Yeah, the Balrog is so cool. So oh, I, to, I mean the movie does a good justice, I think.
1: I so to be honest, number one, I think the movie does an amazing justice to this part. Because basically the way the lore that I understand is is that It would go Sauron. So like if Sauron was the leader of an army, the Balrogs used to be like the generals. That's that is that's how high in ranking they are. That's why this thing could basically cast a spell against Gandalf to counteract Gandalf's spell because it's that powerful.
0: Yeah, this thing is it's like the king of demons.
1: Right. It's this huge, uh, it basically looks mostly like smoke and shadow, but it also, they can see fire emanating from it.
0: Yeah. I, I thought they see that, the don't they see like the flame whip?
1: It has a flaming whip and a flaming sword is what oh, it fights with. Right. So basically Gandalf is like, you know, you guys, there's no way you guys can fight this thing. Just run. I will fight this thing. And basically Gandalf goes out in the middle of this Khazad-dûm bridge and he stands in the middle and he he does kind of like deflect a few shots from this thing. This thing tries to swing at him. He deflects him with his freaking staff because he's a badass. And then the iconic part in this the whole show, <laughs> it doesn't quite go down as the movie does, but basically he says, you know, you shall not pass.
0: Well, I mean, but first he says to the dudes, he's like, fly, you fools. Because yeah. they're, like, standing there watching him.
1: Yeah, and he he says, you guys need to run. If, if I can't stop this thing, it's going to kill all of you. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, Gandalf uses his last hope. He, he cracks the bridge, and the Balrog tries to cross the bridge, and it ends up falling. And as it falls, it uses its whip to reach back up and grab a hold of Gandalf grab
0: Gandalf
1: yeah. <sighs> and it pulls Gandalf down into this seemingly endless pit with it
0: Yeah. it's a good part it's good in the book too
1: it, it actually is pretty good in the book it's I, that's why I want to do a comparison with the movie though so I'm going to save as many thoughts as I can between the movie and the book um so they end up leaving. They leave Moria. They make it out the other side because they were actually super close. That's what's kind of sucks about Gandalf leaving now is that they were really close actually to the exit. Right.
0: and and, it, and it's kind of interesting too that like, so like Aragorn takes over the party, but he like doesn't really know what to do. <laughs> Just right. kind of it's like, oh shit, Gandalf was our leader. I don't really know like the best way to approach all this stuff now.
1: So I actually like this part too because. Again, in the movie, they all just like run and they pop out of what looks like a little cave entrance on the other side. And now they're out. But in the book, it specifically describes that they have to approach another gate, a large gate, because this is a main entrance to this place. And there's orcs right there guarding it. Mm -hmm. But because of the way that they like, because everybody's upset now because they lost Gandalf. Yeah, they They, freaking Gandalf just died, quote unquote. So they attack these orcs so ferociously that they basically are like, oh, yeah, OK, never mind. You you guys can leave. and They like yeah. let them leave. But I just I like that part because I've never really liked that in the movie. It's like the whole minds were swarming with orcs except for the one spot that you come in and out. And so yeah, the movie or no the sense. sorry, the book does a much better job of explaining. No, no, no. This entrance is guarded as well. So yeah, they basically leave and they're like, Well now what do we do? Because freaking Gandalf is gone. Gandalf was, you know, he was our only hope, basically, is how they And
0: they feel. and then and they all like kind of new Gandalf and they're like don't have time to mourn. Right. Like they gotta keep going. Exactly.
1: Because now they basically too they get into another little like skirmish right out here because this is not it's not like a safe spot for them to stop and be upset now that Gandalf is gone. They're still very much so in enemy territory. So they decide they're going to go and they go to the next closest spot where there's more elves, right? Lórien, right? I think so. Yeah, I think Lórien. Lórien, Lothlórien, Lórien, something like that.
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway, there's one, the elves.
1: I think one one is like the county and one is like the city.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I think and basically they go and they talk to these elves and they explain what's going on in as little detail as they can,
0: basically. because Right, because they don't want them to know that they have the ring.
1: Exactly. And they don't want everybody to know like what is going on. But this is when we meet uh, Galadriel, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Galadriel is one of the elves who possesses one of the three elven rings right
0: and she like tests everybody right
1: yeah so she like like, what their
0: intentions are
1: yeah she probes their minds and they all end up hearing something different from her like Mm -hmm. she can talk to all of them simultaneously but in their minds so they end up staying there for a while at this area uh this is also where we get the glimpse because they're staying in the trees Mm-hmm. And Frodo glimpses some small, weird, like creature attempting to uh, get into like their little uh, tree fort thing they're sleeping in. And is
0: is this where he has the dreams about Gandalf? I think so. I can't, I can't
1: remember. I can't now remember either, like what they're about.
0: Well, he he just he just sees Gandalf like in white robes now and he's like riding a horse.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, and I think it is in this area when they're in Lorien.
0: And Yenproto's not sure if it's just a dream or if he's like actually seeing visions or what it is.
1: And so basically the elves are like, look, we can't really like do a whole lot for you, but basically we can we can help you get to the river and then you're gonna need to take the river like, if this is really what you guys want to do, you're going to have to take the river, you're going to have to go down here, and basically the elves kind of send them on their way. They give them boats. Well,
0: and they, they give them gifts, too. She gives everybody, like, individually personalized gifts.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: And that's, like, where, where she's like, where she's like, Gimli, like, I, I would never give you anything, but he, like, asks for something anyway. I can't yeah, she-
1: she asks for it. he asks for her hair. Oh, right. He asks for hair off of her, which so like that was the thing, too, is when they go to Lori and we kind of skipped this part, but it was actually pretty interesting is they basically say, OK, we're going to take you guys in, but the dwarf has to be blindfolded. Because- yeah,
0: I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, because he- no dwarves had ever seen the inside of the city, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And so they're like, you have to be blindfolded at least until you get there. And the dwarf's like, Gimli's like, I'm not going to be blindfolded unless Legolas is also blindfolded. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it Legolas
1: was- is like, Legolas is like, I'm an elf. Why would I have to be blindfolded? And finally, Aragorn shuts them all down. And he's like, we'll all be blindfolded. He's yeah. like, we're not, no more bickering, none of this bullshit. He's like, we're just all going to be on the same level. Because that's where that little bit of like, elves think they're better than dwarves. But dwarves are too proud, you know, and stuff like that kind of comes in.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I like all that characterization stuff. I don't know. I've all of the all of the people in the party are super interesting to me.
1: Yeah, they really are, and that's just it. There's, there's just a lot more in this. Like you get to know them so much more as characters, is what it is. Yeah. So they end up going. They get in the boats, and they take Wait, the boats. Does
0: Frodo offer her the ring?
1: Yes, and she basically says that.
0: <sighs> well, she to... says that, like that, like even even though like she's pure of heart now and like a strong individual, that like if she took the ring in, it would only be a matter of time before she became like another Sauron, right? Like exactly. she would replace him instead yeah. of like. So so like it didn't it wouldn't it wouldn't serve any purpose like that's how corrupting the ring is. That right. Like, even even with pure intentions at the beginning, it doesn't matter. It's going to turn you evil. Mm-hmm.
1: That's why she's also impressed too that he still has no real ill intentions, and that's where the whole kind of Hobbit thing comes into play.
0: Well, because... and don't they find out too that like when you wear the ring, you can actually see the other people with the the rings of power. Like you can kind of sense where they're at but, like, Frodo's yeah. not able to do that because he's just not powerful enough.
1: Exactly, because he actually is not powerful. He's not even really capable enough to use the One Ring for any ill purpose. He's He he can't be corrupted by it, but he also really can't do anything with it other than turn invisible.
0: You could do lots of evil stuff invisible.
1: That's, that's very true. But um, she also shows him her little bit of magic that she has where she shows him the, um, the well with the water where he looks into it and he can see uh, like the Shire burning and all this stuff. And he's like, I got to go, I got to go back home. They're destroying the Shire. And she's like, this, this shows either past present or future, but she doesn't even know what it shows yeah
0: which is useless
1: yeah pretty
0: cryptic <laughs> thanks yeah, a lot like, lady what the fuck
1: yeah but she basically says this could be what's going to happen in the future but i don't know it might be so that is kind of an interesting little piece too
0: yeah so yeah they they have to get in the boats right and they got to go down this big
1: river yep so they're gonna and go. The
0: hobbits have a natural fear of boats.
1: Yes. They do not like water in general. <clears throat> and they end up needing to go, they're gonna take the river as far as the the falls of Rao Ross. I believe is what it's called. Rao Ross, yeah.
0: I, I don't remember. So I'm you're right. But This is basically
1: so they end up landing at the right before the falls of Ross. They have to. That's as far as they can go, because otherwise then you you have this huge waterfall. So obviously they can't go over the waterfall. So they end up landing and they're getting ready to go to. um, God damn it. See, now I'm getting confused between the book and the movie. They have a purpose, though, there when they get out. They already had a plan. Oh, they're going to go. Because basically they say we have one of two choices. We can either go straight to um,
0: Mordor. Mordor or, or we can try to, to get to Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith right, which is yes. like kind of is is that where Bor- like close to where Boromir's from, right?
1: That's basically yeah, so Minas Tirith is basically like now the biggest city in Gondor and Minas Tirith is basically where it's almost like the last stand of the humans essentially. Um so that's where they decided they were going to go. And then they were going to go there because Minas Tirith is not like super far away from uh, Mordor. But Frodo basically decides he doesn't want to put anybody else in danger and he's going to go by himself to go do Whoa. this.
0: Dude, you see, I feel like you skipped the part, though, where freaking Boromir comes up on him. I did skip that part. I mean, you skipped the it. part about when they see Gollum in the water and shit, but that's okay. Gollum was
1: following him the whole time. He's like right. riding... He, look, he
0: like, looks like, like a log. Yeah, he's
1: like yeah, riding, he's like riding, riding log. a log. Dude. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because Gollum's been following... So the thing they saw when they were in the... Um, the, uh, the elven area was also Gollum. And again, for anybody who doesn't know who Gollum is, you've got to go back and listen to The Hobbit to understand why he's even following them in the first even
0: place. Even in this book, it doesn't really talk about him.
1: No, hardly at all. And I think that's why, though, is because they want you to you this is technically something you should know from previous entries
0: so the part that you kind of glossed over that i want to go back to is like frodo goes off on his own to think about whether to go straight to mordor or to go to Minas Tirith, and he's like deciding he's like oh i don't want people to get hurt and like boromir comes up on him and he's like being really weird and he like starts ranting and raving about like the ring how he could use it to save the world and all this stuff and like he tries to take it from frodo and frodo yeah, puts but- it on right
1: yeah, because basically Boromir is like, look, you know, we have the enemy's sole source of power. Why not use it as our source of power against him? Even yeah. though they already told Boromir that won't work, they explained it to Boromir. They're like, you cannot use it like Sauron can use it. It's not how it works. But Boromir, being a human, is pretty easily corrupted by the idea that it should work
0: well that's the main reason he was even at the council right Is like he was he wanted he wanted the ring to basically like save his people right yes it's like from what i understand
1: right basically yeah
0: hey yeah so frodo like fends him off and then like frodo de- decides he's gonna leave on his own but of course sam is like yeah dude i know i know like, you haven't, like, I know, I know you're not, you're like, you like, you can't leave without me. Like, you just can't. Like, well, because to go with you. Boromir,
1: like, comes back, right, and asks the rest of them if they've seen Frodo.
0: <laughs> Frodo yeah.
1: And they're like, no, Frodo, basically, then they're like, Frodo's missing. And for some reason, Sam's like, well, the only place he can really go is back to the boats. And Sam goes back to the boats, and he sees one of them being pushed into the water
0: by yeah. itself.
1: Because <laughs> Frodo still has the ring on. And that's when Sam basically runs down there and he's like, I'm not letting you go by yourself. I have to stay with you. Even though
0: Frodo's like, no, no, no,
1: I want to do this on my own because I don't want any of you guys to get hurt.
0: Yeah, but but I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, touching moments between, like, Sam and Frodo, I think. like, God, what does he say? He's like, he's like, leaving without me would kill me or something like that. Like, I can't remember exactly what he says.
1: Yeah, because they've basically become such good friends through this like journey that now Sam... Plus, after hearing what they heard from Elrond, like, basically we either do this or we all die anyways.
0: Yeah, so yeah. exactly.
1: They, I mean, there, there really is no options for them. They either destroy the ring or the world gets destroyed are pretty much the two outcomes.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's basically the... The cliff notes version of the cliff notes version of the fellowship of the ring
1: yeah if not even of, of again of the cliff notes because <laughs> <laughs> if i mean we we glossed over a ton i mean i i'd like to think we even hit the high points but uh we probably missed a lot
0: um, and like the the devil's in the details really like this this is a book about details for sure so like If you're coming in just for, like, the high points, I feel like you're not here for the right reasons anyway.
1: If you're coming here because you think we're going to get you through a book report, you're sadly mistaken.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Getting a C Z-plus slap on that bad boy.
1: Yeah, yeah, you might pass. Maybe. (laughs) Um, I would recommend, though, if you did have to do a book report, to listen to this. You know? Uh, Because, I mean, and without you know maybe giving away too many secrets i, I am a slow ass reader well we've said it you know we can't even really read yeah, so it's, it's barely I, I did this in high school i would get the audiobook for the book i had to do a report on and just listen to it because that was easier for me than trying to carve out any time because my brain just doesn't work very well when it comes to sitting down and focusing and reading but i can listen to the story and retain it relatively well so just an option yeah. you know kids aren't even in school anymore but you know just an they're
0: option. going back if
1: school back. comes back there you go you're probably gonna have to do book reports and now you have yeah. now you have a simple another little hack is you just get the audiobook and you you're not really cheating you're still reading the book just someone's reading it to you instead of you sitting down and physically reading it
0: so yeah because reading is boring yeah i mean i wouldn't know because i can't do it so yeah actually yeah, <laughs> i don't even
1: know <laughs> <laughs> okay. i'm gonna assume, it sounds boring how about that
0: it does sound pretty boring
1: okay so with that and speaking of boring, we got to be pushing that line, because I'm pretty sure this has been about an hour and a half. This has got to oh, be our longest yeah. episode yet. No way. I think so.
0: Are you sure? Hang on. Now i got to check. <laughs> I feel Does like tell- Monster Hunter was long. No, Monster Hunter was only a little over an hour. Okay, we have a round table that's an hour and 46 minutes.
1: Okay, so we'll, we won't quite cross that threshold but we're getting there so with that
0: monster Hunter was two hours
1: okay i stand corrected (laughs) um however all that being said uh give me your wrap-up summary on this one what do you think
0: good fantasy bad songs how about that
1: (laughs) i like it i like it a lot Um, I, so I, I did thoroughly enjoy this and I actually enjoy it more now that we've even talked about it for some reason, because me
0: me too, because honestly, a lot of it to me is like, I don't even know if I'm understanding this,
1: right? Exactly. And it, it, like we said, it is dense. And I honestly, I'll probably, when I find myself with nothing else to listen to, we'll go back and listen to this again, because I think that is where this shines is there's so much detail to be had that it's like one of those movies when you watch over and over and over and you catch more and more details the more you watch it that's the kind of stuff that's hidden in this book and in this entire the entire tolkien work that is what it is essentially based around
0: yeah and this is this is a book i think that deserves a second lesson i mean like i'm a big proponent anyway of like probably listening to stuff more than once anyway sure. but i think like this is a big uh, like i i want to listen to it again because i feel like i did i maybe got 15 percent of what's there right
1: yeah i would say on your first listen you're hardly gonna scratch the surface of how much depth there truly is to this
0: yeah, there's um, it's so much step. and like talking to you, even I'm like, man, I don't know anything about Lord of the Rings. I thought I knew a lot, but like, I I don't even really know anything about like Gandalf and freaking like Legolas, I bet Legolas has a huge backstory,
1: and I only know some of this stuff because I've gone down some rabbit holes on YouTube. Because there's a ton of loresters out there who they compile all the lore from all the different stories. Um, there's an entire wiki dedicated to this stuff.
0: Well, I would hope so.
1: But yeah, so there's just a ton to be had here. It's it is it's just this is really one of those stories where you do you do get to step into another world because I mean that's basically what Tolkien built here is his own world is what it is.
0: Yeah. With with rules that it constantly and consistently follows.
1: Yes. All, yeah also very there's true. no
0: X machina in this book really at any point
1: um other than and I would guarantee you if someone were to email us they would say this the eagles are the only form of X machina in this story in we like you mean
0: in uh freaking e- but even then though like freaking Gandalf has a relationship with these eagles right but that's,
1: that's the only form of it that I would say is in existence, is because, like, even yeah, in if this, you, Gandalf is
0: like trapped. If you knew trapped, the lore, though, right? Like, yes. if you knew the lore beforehand, like, he has a relationship with these eagles, and that's known.
1: Yes. It's, and that it's,
0: is. It's not like something that just came out of nowhere that you had no idea existed. Right.
1: It's not like the eagle flew by the tower, and he's just like, see you later, and he jumps on it.
0: <laughs> but he, he, just, but he, he didn't does, like, know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's not like he didn't know it was going to be there. He specifically asked for help from the yeah. eagles. I mean, yes, so you're right. There's there's a reason the eagles will show up. It's because they are asked for
0: help. So Yeah. I mean, I, I could see what you're saying. You're like, oh, yeah. That's seemed a little convenient. This magical wizard just happened to know these eagles, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I'm good on
1: this one. I think I am too. So what are we going to do next time?
0: So Next time will be another episode of our Anime Squires on Parasite. We're doing 7, eight,
1: 9, right? Yep. And then as far as anybody who maybe is not interested in that stuff, the next book we are going to do is Brave New World.
0: Yeah. We. That's yes. going to be an interesting one.
1: That. But that, that'll be the next book for anybody who's only interested in the books and not interested in the anime stuff. So, mom. <laughs> but for anybody who is still with us after all this time, we greatly appreciate you listening. And uh, at this point, the only thing we would ask anybody do is tell your friends. Uh, send us an email, leave comments, thumbs up or thumbs down you know bad press is still press so
0: yeah yeah (laughs) do whatever you want i don't care (laughs) send me an email please somebody other than antonia i love you antonia but i want some hate mail real bad (laughs) true Uh,
1: all right let's wrap this one up
0: so yeah hopefully we'll catch you guys in the next one with parasite